All right. Anybody got any questions? <laughs> Let's go. I, Ferber, I told somebody uh, who I can't remember. I told somebody the other day about the SK shrug, um, and it took me way too long to explain the story. You kind of had to. You had to be there. It's kind of <laughs> one of those you had to be there kind of things. I'm like, <laughs> Ag Malcolm Joe shrug. He would always. Well, it would be like, please don't make me put another. Yeah, exactly. Please don't make me put another name on this list. That was back Mike in the Toby, old days. Mike man. Toby, Joe Harris. Justin Anderson. Yeah. Shrug. Well, shrug. <laughs> Insert shrug emoji. Yeah. If if the uh if this intro had uh, uh a chapter marker, which I promise we're gonna get those soon, it this would those just be the shrug emoji. Times. Like now they're just like we give you who you get. Well, you get who you get, yeah. You yeah. get who you get and that's it. CapsCorner.com podcast, CapsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin State's in the West End of Richmond, where it is Thursday, February the 8th. We would have been here last night, but somebody caught a stomach bug. I'm not going to name any names, but I will be the one who is tired. Uh, we are here to talk about UVA's uh, nation, what is it, the ninth longest active winning streak in the country at seven, coming off of not just a 66 to 65 win down in Clemson, but also a 60 to 38 beat them down hashtag beat them down Monday night in Charlottesville over Miami before we get started uh, let's go around and introduce everybody first in Fishersville board moderator du jour himself David Spence is on the show how's it going my friend pretty good yeah this is our whiteout podcast right someone get Kyle his t-shirt um, who is on the board at who is on Twitter <laughs> did did, <laughs> did somebody get Kyle his t-shirt oh that's so good <laughs> dude all right we got to talk about the whiteout in a second uh, also on this year program uh, is Editor-in-Chief Justin Ferber in Charlottesville. How's it going, my dude? Pretty good. Uh, I think we'll probably go a few more minutes than Jim Laranaga today. I would wow. Have guess. Well At Justin done. underscore Ferber on Twitter. Cavs going also under Cavs underscore corner. Great place for the in-game updates when I'm not sick. The content items and the occasional witty banter. Um, dude. I did like was... your little message at the end of the game the other night, though. That was yeah, I was like, man, he's really he's fighting the good fight. <laughs> uh so if Virginia loses a tech this year, 55 to 17, that's going to be the podcast afterwards. It's going to sound just like that. Yeah. Just um, like Jim Larry. I just want to, I want to give public kudos to my two co-hosts here because that was the best you guys have ever brought it in the intro, um, in, in the intro commentary before your, your Twitter handles. I'm very impressed by the both of you. Um, you both made me like, like do double takes at the screen. Essentially. Like it was very well done. I'm very, very proud of you guys. Um, and clearly you're going to have to carry me for the rest of this episode because I'm who knows what kind of craziness is going to come out of my mouth. All right. So let's start with the win in Clemson. 66-65 didn't necessarily need to be that close. So we're all going to be honest about it. Um, Virginia, look, I, I thought Cavaliers looked really strong and then looked a little shaky right at the at the point when you don't want to look shaky, but managed to sort of come out with the win. 
Um, obviously, uh, a tougher game than we were used to seeing UVA play in some ways because, you know, they played a team that was actually decently good and they were on the road, which we have not seen Virginia get anything on the road, which is why this was such a big opportunity for them. Kudos to the Cavaliers for kudos to the Cavaliers for you know going down there and getting a victory, especially when you know it became lemon booty time late in the game. Um, I, I'm not sure what Clemson was really doing with its last possession, and I'm sure Brownell would probably like to have it back. Um, but in, in any event, 44 percent from the floor, 33 percent from the field for UVA. Cavaliers made uh, nine of 13 from the stripe. Um, it. it it was an interesting game to me because they out-rebounded a team I didn't expect them to out-rebound. Um, and ultimately, I think if you th- if you look at the sort of grand sum of the whole thing, we we talked last week about, you know, in the past, Virginia kind of out-Virginia. Like Clemson tries to out-Virginia, Virginia, and Virginia just typically does exactly what Virginia did there. Dave, as you look back on this game, we'll, we'll save Miami in the, uh, in the, in the route um, for just a moment, but... I'm guessing you came away from this thing impressed once you got a chance to see it Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, I was coughing, but I didn't hear what you said there. But yeah, I did watch it Saturday night. Um, I mean, I, I was happy. I mean, it was weird. Yeah, I was busy at work trying to trying to not look. You know, I always try not to look at the score, so I have something to do after work when they play during my busy Saturday spring days. Um, but I can't. I can never resist, and I don't think I've ever done it once without looking at the score made it till like five or six minutes into this one. Um, and then got busy at the end of the game when they had a decent lead. Um, and then it kind of shriveled back. Um, I was just more worried about the shield. Remember I kept saying, <laughs> they yeah, got we're very aware of that. how much you talk about the shield. The shield has now become <laughs> well, like a cap. Like, we had two things going. The shield wasn't met yet. Cause they only had the threes and the 40% field goal. Right. They needed one more block. Um, and the game was tight. Once they got the block, I was like, "Oh, it's over now. They're going to win." And then it, it almost broke the shield. But it, it almost didn't. broke the shield. <laughs> yeah, that was going to be a day. But did I mean, somebody? It, it when was it? This, when I can't somebody watch, asked us about close. the shield. When was that? There was somebody asked us on Twitter about the shield, and I had to like tell them. Uh, it was like it, it was. I, the, I forget which game it was, it was. But anyway, it was probably uh, the game before Clemson. Yeah, um, yeah, you might be right about that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, it could have been Clemson. It might have been at work when you texted me. I can't remember. Um. Anyway, yeah, but when I got to watch the game, I mean, it's about what I expected after you know checking up with the gamecaster. It's um a tight game. You know, I think it's easy to get frustrated all the way it ended. You know, Virginia was giving it up there, missing free throws, and yeah, I don't. Clemson seemed to have a lot more time to do. You know, had time to do more with the ball than they did at the end. Um, but he almost made that too. So, you know, Virginia, which game Virginia lost a game like that last year. Um, I, think it, I mean, year. we've talked about in the past, like, or you know, like this year, free throws are going to bite them. It's like it's happened a few times already. Like, yeah. Yeah. not this year, but uh, the Florida State game a few years ago is a great example of that. You know, if they had hit a couple um, free throws, they might have beaten Memphis. I'm just curious. I'm just saying. You know, maybe if they hit just a couple more, what about like 24 more free throws? Maybe they could have got it done. But no, your point is well taken. They definitely had those moments. Um, yeah, which de- makes no sense because you know. It, like for a while, it was like who was shooting the free throws. You just got to get the right guys. But didn't Groves miss two against Miami, or was that the Clemson game? Uh, let's see, Clemson. Miami. Miami Clemson. He was uh, Clemson. He was three of four. Sorry, uh, zero of one from the stripe. So maybe that was yeah. He missed Miami. the front end of the one and one. Yeah, but he missed two against Miami in the first half. 
Yeah. Yeah, because those, so those been, like, really some guys you should count on who are missing them. You know, Isaac's missed a few. So it it's just weird. I'm guessing at this point it's just in the team's head. Um, but yeah, it, it could bite him in the butt. But I mean, I think it's well, I guess also, my yeah, take home talk match. about games where it hurt them last year. How about Furman? Yeah, I was <laughs> yeah. gonna, I had thought about it and wasn't gonna bring it up just in case, but don't recall since that you already game. have, yeah, Isaac wipe that from the memory. The front end of he a did, one one or something. he did, yeah, he did. Um, but yeah, I, I, I guess my final take home message from the Clemson game at the after rewatching it was, you know, it was tighter than it should have been. You know, Virginia had a chance to close them out. Um, but it's still like, you know, you think about the way they looked on the road a month ago. It's nine day. That Clemson team's good. You know, they went beat Carolina the next game. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're, they're a solid squad. And I think Virginia, you're not going to win every game pretty, you know, Virginia hasn't over the years. Yeah. I think we think back on these other seasons where they had success on the road. Like they just went and won every game by 15 or 20. Like, you know, they've won ugly games like that because they're, I've been saying it all year. Like this team is starting to hold the rope and that's what happens when you do it. Yeah. How odd is it, Ferber, to play a, a good team on the road and have four of their five starters scoring double, double figures in UVA leaves with a win? I mean, that is that is some quintessential Tony Bennett stuff right there, except for usually you don't get that many dudes scoring in double figures. when You you know what I'm saying? Like normally it looks a lot more like it looked Monday night, right, where Laranega does a 30-second press conference and he's out. Um, mm-hmm. How how impressed were you just on the Clemson win? Did Or did the way it ended – did the way it ended – take away from what it what the 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 taste that it kind of left in your mouth no i mean honestly like the all's well that ends well right but you know you just kind of put a pin in the miss the misses at the end and just say like all right you know let this be a reminder that you know you need to clean these up or do what you got to do but i mean they wouldn't have even been in that situation in the first place if they hadn't closed strong on the possessions right before that right where dunn has the tip in um or the putback, whatever it was. Right, right, right. And, you know, and they, they put themselves in a pretty good spot on the defensive end. And honestly, like, even before the free throws, like, Jordan Minor fouls on the three. It's kind of unfortunate. Yeah. If, if Hall misses that three, like, he'd miss all the other ones pretty much. Um, You know, the game's pretty much over right there, regardless of free throws. So, um, you know, it's that's just one of those things that happens. But, you know, you just want to, like, make sure you don't have it happen later in a big spot. Yeah. Um, but... I think like the they played well, and I think honestly, you mentioned Clemson having the double figure scores. Like both teams actually really played well statistically, if you look at it. Like yeah. neither team really turned it over much. Um, neither team really shot the ball poorly. I mean, I guess if you want to say like both teams could have played better defensively, I guess you could make that point. But like Clemson makes you know thirty five percent of their threes. UVA makes thirty three point three percent. UVA is at one point one six points per possession. Clemson's at one point one four. I think the big thing for UVA is that they started well. They got up, what was the 14, whatever it was. Um, And Clemson, you know, give them credit for getting back in it. Um, But, or yeah, it was 12. They were up 12. 12, that's right. Um, But, you know, Clemson chipped away. But every time they would get to, like, close to the lead or tied or down by three, that was, like, where UVA kind of would cut them off. And then they'd go on a little bit of a bump of their own. And then it's back to eight or whatever and that stuff matters i mean yeah. like you talk about like points over time i mean like uva playing with the lead that's way easier than playing from behind clemson's having to burn their energy burn so much yeah get, that's a good point yeah just trying to get back to to tide you know and then by the time they do that it's like uva just needs to go on one little run to win right. um but yeah i mean it was a good win in a road environment you know 
um, and they played well. Obviously, Groves kind of huge week for him. Um, <laughs> but bit. yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, like they really needed that early in the game, and um, you can see like when the offense is kind of clicking, like things start to fall into place. You're finding guys open. You're getting stops when you need to get them, and things kind of work out. But yeah, they were the better team on the day by a small margin, but they earned it for sure. Yeah. So to your point, so it's 37 seconds left when Miner, or sorry, Dunn makes that layup to put him up four. Um, Hall misses a layup on the other end. Ten seconds later, UVA gets the board, right? So then they foul a couple times. That's when they put Groves on That's the line. When Groves missed um, with 19 seconds to go. To go from up four with 19 seconds left and you're one of your best free throw shooters, or at least one of your best shooters, I should say, at the stripe, right, um, for a one and one Not only for them to then, for him to miss the shot, Clemson gets the rebound, calls timeout with 15 seconds to go, down four, right? Well, you not only you get a foul on Miner, but he's out, right? That's his fifth foul, which now you're down one. Excuse me, you're up one if you're VA. You're down one if you're Clemson. And, you know, their big man is is out. So all, if you get to overtime, this is a completely different game. Dude, that last possession and the whole way that the whole thing ended, I mean, it it does kind of illustrate for you just how, like, you know, we we talk a lot on this podcast because we talk about UVA. We talk a lot about margin for error. And, I mean, like, this is a really good example of how, like, a, a play here or there, I mean, it really. Can I mean, the change. margin for error in this game was literally like three inches. Yeah, seriously, because how much he missed the game-winning shot. Yeah, by. and I mean, and frankly, <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, look, if, if all the things that Tony probably could have selected as what was Clemson's last shot going to be, aside from like some dude shooting from the other baseline or something, right? Jack Clark on a three, not probably not the worst shot you've. That, I, mean, I don't know found. what I don't know what Chase Hunter was doing there, but I'm I mean I guess sure it's either. a decent look, but like he had a better opportunity and and honestly like Clemson was fumbling it up before Hall yeah. got fouled, right? Yeah, agreed. like I mean like that possession was terrible, and then you know the, the I, um, Clemson is down four, and then they almost win the game without making a field goal the rest yeah. of the way. You're right, that's and that's wild, right? Um, the other thing, real quick. Before we leave the Clemson game, I don't know if this is like an NCAA violation or whatever, but if Ian Shefflin ever decides to enter in the portal, I just hope that um, he gets all kinds of attention from certain coaching staffs in the ACC because that dude is like, I've, I've, I feel like I've talked about this on the podcast before. I might have even said this last week. In my defense, I have You've not. You definitely had said it in the text thread. <laughs> okay. But I have not. He's like the most Tony Bennett dude ever. He like, he looks he he just always sort of looks like he knows exactly what he's doing even though as he moves sometimes you're not entirely sure if he knows what he's doing and then he just does everything that you need him to do he's like he's big but he's not too big he's like mobile but he's also got like enough physical presence to rebound well he shoots well he typically doesn't turn the ball over much he played 33 minutes against UVA and didn't turn it over once right now that's you know Clemson doesn't turn it over much as a team in general, but that's because they got a lot of dudes like him. Um, he get, he went for 13 and 9 in this game with three assists, no turnovers in 33 minutes. That's a hell of a day. Granted, he's playing alongside P.J. Hall, and P.J. Hall does a lot of good things. But P.J. Hall... The real P.J. Hall. The, the actual P.J. Hall. Um, I, get, I can understand why people get really frustrated watching P.J. Hall, because like... He's he's kind of he's kind of one of those dudes, man. I get it. I get why people are Oh, uh, no. I think he's I think he's one of those dudes where it's like if he's on your team, you love it. You love it, not, yeah. You 
Yeah, like, I imagine a lot of people felt that way about hard. Justin Anderson or like, Tim, and Ty Jerome yeah. too. I bet maybe even Kyle Guy. All right. So then Monday night, Virginia gets a just. I mean, half the team got most of the night off. I mean, this thing was this thing was over before it really got started. Uh, Sixty to thirty-eight. Miami shot. You ready for this? Twenty-nine whole percent from the field, ten percent from three. Literally one of the like most likely three-point shooting teams you're gonna find. Shot. Two of twenty. I'm pretty sure they made their two threes back to back too. Oh, did they? Like, in the first half. Let me get looked at. Yeah, they were both, both contested threes towards near. Yeah, because remember they were down. That was they like called time at one point, and they went. They scored like six in a row. I think. Yeah. So Poplar made the first two, one then... uh, at two fifty five. They missed. Pack missed one, and then Poplar made another one uh, at with forty six. I think they were, one of them was like at the shot clock buzzer too, and it was just like, well, but it's hysterical. What it is. I, I, I'm going to be honest and say that I'm not going to chime in too much on this game because I literally didn't watch a second of it. Um, I was lucky if I knew where I was in the world at that point. Um, but yeah, 60 to 38. Virginia's 48 from the feet, 48% from the field, 45 from three. Still 50% from the, from the line, but they only shot six of them. Uh, only three turnovers in the game. Uh, Miami actually ended up out-rebounding them by one. Um, solid night for Reese Beekman. 16 points, seven assists. Four boards, six eleven from the field, hit his only three. Um, not you didn't really, I guess, need a whole lot from Groves, but he still was two of four from three for had a you know twelve points, a whole hum game for him of late. Um, otherwise, it was just basically Virginia sort of sharing the wealth. Minor only played sixteen minutes. Um, Reese didn't play, but twenty seven. Um, Rody only got what sixteen in there. So I mean, look, this is one of those games. I mean, look. <laughs> There's not a whole lot you're going to say when the largest lead for one of the teams was 26. Um, what's wild is that Miami actually led by five at one point. Um, but overall, I mean, just an absolute just avalanche uh, of a game. Um, and it's kind of good to see UVA do that to somebody, even if it's a home uh, this late in the season, because I feel like a lot of these were th- – this is the kind of game we had not seen Virginia have. Um, you know, we've seen Virginia win at home, right? But if you think back to some of the games they've won at home – um, you know, they did, they sort of did something similar to this on the road at Louisville, but I mean, Louisville's just terrible. Miami's not terrible, right? Like Miami has kind of fallen off, but they're not terrible. Dave, as you, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you watched this one live. Um, I did, which is such, maybe that's what, maybe that's what we need. We just need you to watch more games live. Evidently. Um, it, I got you. Saturday. Can you, can you, <laughs> can you, can you take <laughs> away anything from a game like this or is this just a, you know? Uh, hot knife through butter. Move on to the next. I mean, it's a good win. I mean, um, I mean, Miami came, Miami kind of concerned me because they, they they've got multiple dudes who can shoot to three. They're a tough matchup. You know, they don't have anyone who kind of they they don't have any slow moving bigs. You know, their big is kind of undersized and yeah. I mean, y'all, honestly, yeah, y'all Virginia. Were like, got, un, yeah, y'all were both nervous about this, but going, yeah. Here, aren't you? I mean, honestly, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm, it just I don't on paper, we... Miami has the pieces to beat you. Like if you yeah. play the pack line, and it just comes down to percentages. But UVA didn't really even let them get any life. Even their seven-two lead, it took them forever to get to seven points. It wasn't like they, blew, you know, blew the gates off out of the, you know, off the tip. Yeah, and I think one thing we don't talk about enough. Like I don't know if it would have actually affected the outcome, but. I think it might have made it a closer game was George getting hurt. Um, I think that's his name, right? The yeah, the big skinny guy. Because I think he got hurt on Reese on Beekman's first bucket, or maybe he got hurt one. right after UVA had like taken the lead back or whatever. Yeah, and that guy's a like he was he was a tough piece to match up with, and 
Like I, I don't know if he alone would have made the difference, but that seemed to kind of be the the death blow for Miami. Um, but yeah, the team played well. I mean, if if there's one singular takeaway I have is I, I was kind of thinking about it before we got on the pod here because I know Brad likes these questions. Um, I, I would say we've argued so much this year about rotation and, I, you know, who should play what and when. I think at this point you need to realize there's only the two, like, best players on Virginia, Reese Beekman and Ryan Dunn, are also inconsistent offensively. Like, if this team's going to be good, good we, we need to stop worrying about who's playing, who's starting. It's who's playing what. You need to make sure at least you got five guys playing good that night. Um and so I think during this winning streak, that's what you've seen. Like Jay Groves has been on fire, like with 63% from three during the winning streak. You know, Groves has only missed like he's 63% from three for the last seven games, but 0 for three from the foul line, which is kind of funny. Um, and then, you know, Miner's improved and, you know, Tane has had some games. Rody's had a moment or two. Um, Isaac's, you know, had good games and, and had games he struggled. So I think, yeah, that's kind of where I am with this team. They they don't maybe have, you know, the fourth, third or fourth consistent shooter or a consistent player, but they've got guys who are competent enough on both ends of the floor that Tony trusts them to be in and they've produced. Um, and I do, do think that could be a good thing for this team moving forward. But, you know, I also think because of the inconsistency we've seen, because I think it's the last two games we've only had one starter in double, double figures. Um, I mean – one night this all going to click and this team's going to absolutely boat race someone you wouldn't expect them to. Um, but the opposite thing could happen too. So both Beekman and McNeely had 14 points at Clemson. Um, but your point is well taken. And for, I feel like if you think about like where Groves, I mean the, my gosh, the zone he's in right now, he's worked himself into six nationally in three points percentage. Like that's nuts. He's he's at a at a clean fifty percent, thirty five of seventy, um, from deep this year. Like, if you had told me, like, I don't know, like we talked, we've we've made this joke before, right? Like about you know Minor and and to some extent um, Harris too. But like, if you told me, like on I don't know January seventh, I didn't want to say the sixth, January seventh that um that <laughs> in a in a in a month. Groves is gonna lead, is gonna be like top ten nationally in three point percent. I'd be like, what? Like, I wouldn't even. Th- I actually, genuinely, probably would be like, wait, is that possible? Like, how, how many would he have to shoot and make? Um, the the tear he's been on is. I mean, it's not only reassuring, but it's also sort of potentially like somewhat intoxicating if you think about it. Because like, yeah, you can fall in love with the three, but what happens if you just actually start shooting it well? Like, what happens if you can do that? what he's doing and he's not what we're what we're asking him to do is not like be superman every night he he's literally just getting the shots that the offense is producing like he's not having to do anything like quote unquote special um but man the shooting percentage sure feels that way you know what i mean yeah couldn't find the mute button um that happens but uh yeah like i think his shots are rhythm shots they're good shots um you know like he's taking them in the action uh I feel good when he lets it go. <laughs> I feel know? good when the ball finds um, him, that's for sure. Yeah, and I think like one of the things that'll be interesting to kind of see over the next few games is like how do teams kind of adjust to this? Um because like Micah Shrewsbury the other night was saying like, you know, he wasn't saying like I don't, you know, we didn't plan for Groves, but he was basically like you can't 
you can't cover everything. Like that's not your top thing on the list. Like, you know, when you're going over with your team, like what to do, you know, before the game. Um, and yeah, he specifically highlighted too. Yeah. He specifically highlighted Beekman's threes too. He was like, you kind of let him have it. Cause like, you know, you have to pick something. Um, and like Groves, I think like a guy coming off the bench, you see teams kind of just, all right, let's just match up and, you know, make our subs. But it's like Groves is kind of like a, I mean, that's why this position is so in vogue in basketball period is like, it's just kind of creates problems for the opposition. Um, where like, you know, if you go small, he can get in the lane and do stuff. If you don't go small, he's going to roast you from three if he gets good looks. Um, and it just creates more options for everybody else because it's a guy creating more space on the floor. Um, so, I mean, I think it's it's been great that he's been doing this. And um, ultimately, I think the difference, and this is something we talked about like three, four weeks ago, was, you know, we were talking about like, where's the po- where do the points come from? And one of the things I said about Groves was like, he was shooting at that point like 40% or whatever. It wasn't bad, but he wasn't shooting many. You know, he was shooting like two a game or 2.5. Right. And it's like, that's fine. But like, if you're making 40%, you should probably be shooting like five or six a game. Um, you know, get those points. Uh, but he hadn't been playing a lot at that point, really. So it was like, you know, now we're kind of starting to see. And and ultimately, when Miner kind of came into the lineup, it was a little bit at his expense at first, but they found a way to kind of like play both guys. I feel like so. Yeah. Well, um, they kind of they I finally started it. They started to let Ryan Dunn play the three, and Groves like, in a way, if you think about this, like, usually what happens is UVA gets its points from Groves that they are they they normally would get from you know somebody else playing the three, right? And so now that you've got Dunn and and Groves out there, and they can sort of like each be on the floor when they've got Miner out there. It, it feels in a way like they're still getting the, the offense they need, but then Dunn gives them the defense. And so it it's like a poor man's Dre Braxton situation where they're able to sort of give them what they need without necessarily like paying for what their um, sort of what their weaknesses would imply. Yeah. If that makes any sense. You know what I mean? I also think that from a role standpoint, kind of going back to what Dave said earlier, like, you're he's exactly right. We have talked a lot about who's playing what and rotations and stuff, but like one of the things that has really crystallized in, in the last few weeks and certainly during this whole um winning streak has been that like once they started to play the way that fit, guys just kind of naturally sort of fell into their spots. And so you're actually not having to work real hard to get Groves those looks. He just gets them, right? Um the offense is maybe not impressing Kim Palm right now. Um, they're 152nd um, nationally uh, in adjusted of, uh, offensive efficiency, but the offense is still like one of the best in terms of creating, um, you know, the assist to field goal made. And I, I know some people use that stat, like it's a negative, like, because you're having to, you have to do so much work, right? It's, it's essentially like the 12, 13 play drive, Right. You're having to do so much work that you need, quote unquote, help to score. But a lot of those are jump shots, right? Like a lot of those are not just, I mean, and UVA has been much better in the paint since Jordan Miner's emergence. Um, overall, I just like really like the way this thing is all coming together. You know, the, it's so cliche to say, oh, they're peaking at the right time. Well, it's actually not the right time. It's February. It's not March. But like it, it, it's all come together for them in a way that not only feels natural for them 
even though it feels sort of unexpected to those of us on the outside, it probably feels natural to them. But it looks like this looks like a UVA team. They play in a lot of ways like UVA. I know they tweak some things defensively, like on the hedge and stuff. So they're not doing exactly the the sort of way Tony's always done it. They've made some some slight modifications and such. Um, I'm not entirely sure that this isn't the way that you get the stretch four. I think Tony's tried it a variety of different other ways. I'm not saying that in his system, a stretch four can't be a starter who gets, I'm not saying that, but I'm like, this is a really interesting way to sort of address that potential um, possibility because like we've talked a lot in the past, right? About how we would love to see UVA be in a situation where like they make the other team adjust to them. And that lineup I think has done that. I mean, I think you've seen teams struggling to figure out like what they're supposed to do because when they've done that, they've not only solidified their, their, um, glass situation but they've also been extremely good offensively at creating space and you know the proof is in the pudding right the defense has stepped up right they're top 10 nationally now um in defensive efficiency i mean there's a lot of green on that on that side of the ledger right like it it looks really good um but overall you know i i just feel like in the big scheme of things this is a team that has more potential than we all thought they did. I'm still unclear as to what their potential is. Like, is what we're seeing as good as they can be, or is there an extra gear? And if there's an extra gear, what's that look like? Um, and I'm, I'm not saying we got to answer that question now. I think we we need to see a little more more ball before we get there. I mean, the next few weeks are going to tell us a lot. I mean, they they got some tough games coming up. Home Field Apparel is back with brand new options for the Wahoos and so much more. With college basketball now in full swing, there has never been a better time to gear up with officially licensed apparel from Homefield. First-time customers can get 15% off their first order using the code CAVS23 at checkout. Homefield has comfortable, thoughtful selections, not just for UVA, but for more than 180 schools across the country. So no matter who you pull for, there's something for you. Their plan is simple. Dig through the archives and the history of the schools to find unique logos, mascots, traditions, and moments to make thoughtful designs for your favorite school. I love what they've done with the various UVA logos, and I'm really excited about what they're going to do in the future. Their products are printed on high-quality garments with extreme comfort in mind. You're not going to find anything better out there. So don't miss the hottest styles and the most sought-after apparel. Shop at Homefield today and wear one for the team. Homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code CAVS23 for 15% off your first order. Thanks to Homefield for their support of this show and all of CavsCorner.com. All right, so let's talk a little bit about sort of what's speaking of those games coming up. Nice segue, Dave. So Florida State uh, is on Saturday. Cavaliers go down to Tallahassee. Florida State currently 79th in, in Old Kim Palm. Um, currently right now, he's got this as a win for the Knowles uh, by a point. I guess the algorithm does. I shouldn't say he himself. Yeah, that's come down a lot um, over the last few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so it's currently 63-62, 51% chance of a win um for the home team i gotta be honest i have not gotten a good handle on who this team is really supposed to be um and i'm not sure i'm not sure what to make of that i i don't know like i feel like what bunny and his folks do should seem more familiar to me than this maybe it's just a, a, a situation of just the portal and there's just so many different pieces every year and that kind of thing i know the warley kid's pretty good a, a guy obviously uva has a lot of um knowledge about i feel like this is a very talented roster obviously a very long roster as was always the case for florida state but dave do you have any sort of initial impressions of 
what you are expecting to see when Virginia goes down to uh, the Tucker Center? Yeah, I mean, I think they're a tough matchup just because of their length. Um, they can switch a lot of stuff Virginia does. Um, God, what game was that? Um, shoot, they're all blunt. We're, they're so kind of uh, blending together for me. But, God, which game was that where everyone, they were switching a lot? Um, we had to bring Groves in. Made him uh, a few games ago. But anyway, I mean, I think Florida State's State? got the athletes. That could be it, but I think it was after that. Um, kind of irrelevant, I guess, but... Yeah, I think they're a team that can switch pretty much one to four on Virginia. Um, maybe even one to five if you don't if you're not worried about us feeding the post or whoever's playing the five at the, that moment. Um, and from Florida State's always been a weird place to play, even when they weren't good and when they are, it can be scary to play. Um, you know, I think you know traditionally they have athletes that kind of beat us up. You know, it's. Um, yeah, it's never never a fun team to play. You're right. I don't know what to make of them because if we've got a lot of common opponents, but you know they lost to Louisville, they lost to Clemson. I mean, the Louisville loss was head. They, they gave up 101 points to Louisville. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, but Louisville's on a little bit of a heater. They almost but they also get... scored 92. Louisville can, Louisville can randomly score a lot of points too. Sometimes, like they did it the other night too. They scored like 90 and lost. Like, but yeah, I mean, in some ways, like Florida State, you know, traditionally their defense kind of forces you to want to play one-on-one and i think yeah that's what louisville wants to do anyway so that might have worked out in their favor but yeah. what's weirder but about yeah, that I mean, florida state uh, what's weirder about that florida state louisville game that louisville scored 101 and florida state scored 92 or that brandon hundley hatfield had 29 so of all the dudes that you were going to expect who were going to go off against florida state it probably wouldn't have been the center because you figure like oh Whatever size you got, they got bigger size, and they do, right? Huntley Hatfield's only listed as 6'10", 240, right? They've got – Florida State's got a 6'11 kid, uh, two 6'10", three 6'10s, uh, and another 6'9". Like, I mean, they got a lot of length. So for Huntley oh, Hatfield to be the – for Huntley Hatfield be the dude who leads them. Now, also, the Johnson kid had 27, um, which, you know, off the bench, that's impressive. Like, respect to you, young man. Um, 27 points off the bench is wild. I mean, that's, he had 27 points and 11 assists off the bench. It's crazy. Anyway, I, yeah, I mean, if there's something they don't do. It's shoot the three, you know, it's, they're kind of the opposite of Miami. When you look down their three point shooting, um, then they got one guy over 35%. So, you know, not a lot of their points come from the three point line, but I mean, it sounds so cliche when you play so many games, but you know, Virginia's got to get shots up and, I thought you were going to say yeah, they just got to go them. one and zero. Oh. I thought you were going to do the one yeah. and zero oh thing. You got to end every possession with a shot. Um, <laughs> you know, don't turn the ball over and um, and just hoping you know, hope Florida State doesn't hit threes. I mean, I think you can force them to take threes if you play good defense. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to me, like because with their length, I mean, there's no, you know, I think one of the, you guys were talking about it earlier. Um, I like Groves coming off the. Bench because it's impossible to have a four and a five who are rested enough to deal with him when he does come in, you know, five or six minutes late. Like those guys have been playing. So your best guys, you assume, are you're starting. I think Florida State's got the length. They can bring a guy off the bench who's just as fresh to chase him, um, who's got length. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think the thing with this game is like you mentioned Florida State's kind of like the anti Miami. They are. Um, I watched their game against Boston College the other night. Um, 
the thing that kind of just struck me is that they look like they're positionless. I think that's kind of what Leonard Hamilton wants. You know, yeah, I think so. It's I like he wants. He, sometimes he has a smaller point guard, but like he wants to have like two through four be like interchangeable pieces, and they always have switched everything and all that stuff. I think honestly, this is a game where UVA is probably just gonna have to win on the defensive end if they're gonna do it. Um, like get the stops, you know, play the play a low scoring game, like and then just execute on offense enough to win. Like, and I think they can do that because uh, I think Florida State will probably, you know, th- they might try to shoot a lot of threes, but like that's not really the strength of their game. So you hope that you can kind of force them into some tough shots and they miss. Or if they try to drive the lane, that's where like Reese and Ryan Dunn are going to have to have, you know, good games stopping the ball and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a winnable game for sure. Uh, Florida State's kind of weird because, um, like they're, I think they've won more road games than home games in ACC play. Um, but like, you know, it's just, and, and it's weird because like Florida state had that really long home ACC winning streak. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think that was like two years ago that that ended, but I think UVA might've ended it too. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean like it's a tough game, but like Florida state's also not really playing their best basketball right now. I agree. Um, yeah. They, they went on that like five, five game. They went on that five game winning streak or whatever it was. Um, and if you really look at it again, I'm not trying to say like they're not good at all, but like look at the teams that they beat in that stretch, like Georgia Tech, Virginia they, Tech, Wake Forest, Notre Dame, and Miami. all at home. They beat those three teams in a row at home. They, right. So they that's kind of what got them rolling is they got three straight home games and they won them all. Yep. And Wake is a nice win. That's their best win of the year. Um, and they beat Colorado. Yeah, I was but, say Colorado's up there. Colorado, that was early in the season. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. In overtime, but like, yeah. But Wake, it's like, you know, that's a decent one, but they won by like four or whatever. And and then, you know, the other two, you they would have lost kind of to Lipscomb at home, man. How's I was going to say, yeah. That, but like, this well, is you a, have but to that's remember, example, like last though. year, last year they were terrible. Yeah. Um, right. And, and the thing is, like, they made the ACC look really bad because remember, they went like two and 14 or whatever it was in non conference and then won like eight league games. And they finished like, you know, eight and 12 in the league or whatever it was. They lost <laughs> by they 21 like to Florida. Horrible. So I guess UVA, UVA wins this thing easy, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, Except I feel like Wake can Wake beat us by 20. <laughs> well, so, you know. I feel, I feel like the, the recipe for UVA to win this game and they did beat, they did beat somebody on the road that's pretty good. I can't remember who it was. They beat Syracuse. The Syracuse game was weird though because they were like losing that game and then all of a sudden went on like a huge tear and won by like 15. Um, but I think their that's best road win is Miami. Is Miami? Yeah. yeah, they beat Miami. I think that's what it was because we thought Miami was good. That's back when. We, yeah, that's true. That was earlier in the month when we thought Miami was good. Yeah, but I think like it's kind of the same. If UVA is going to win this game like comfortably, it's going to be the same way they beat Miami. They're going to get up to like a big lead, and then Florida State just doesn't have the recipe to come back from that. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be a another one of the a lot. All these Florida State games come down in the last like two minutes. I think this will be one like that too. So here's a here's a name from the Wayback Machine. Uh, Josh Nickelberry is now at Florida State, mm-hmm. which I did not realize he until is. I was pulling up yep. their information. He 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 began his career at Louisville, where he spent two seasons. Then he was at LaSalle for two seasons, and now he's at Florida State for his final year. Um, Nickelberry is like he, there was a time when Josh Nickelberry was like it didn't matter who you talked to in certain places, like he was just going to be the truth. So to see him pop up like this. The the interesting part to me about Florida State, aside from just having length, is like they can legitimately put a team out there where they're four and five are both six ten and six eleven. Um 
but they're but at the same time, like even if Jordan Miner is going to be giving up a lot of inches, he's he's still going to be you know have a, a weight advantage, right? Because Bull Bowen is like 6'10", 195. The Miller kid is 6'11", 204, right? Um, so it's a very, I don't know, it's a weird, it's always weird. Um, I, I think that, you know, this is going to sound super like hashtag analysis, but I think UVA just got to get down there and be who they are. I mean, um, the, the problem that I, I feel like UVA has had on the road has been like they come out of their locker room and they're just like, well, who, what, what's happening? What are we doing here? Right. Um, they've, you know, seemed to sort of squelch that. I think this is a, this is one of those games where UV has to start prove itself. And I'm not trying to say like Florida state's like, you know, Florida state of the COVID year or anything. Right. I'm saying like, this is a perfect sort of trap game situation where if UVA really has its stuff together, they go in here, they win this thing by 10 or 12 and it's not a big deal. Right. If, if what we've seen of late is, is a reality and not a flash in the pan. Right. And I, and I, again, I'm not trying to be harsh on them here. I'm just being, you know, I'm trying to be real about sort of where we've seen this thing before and, and where they kind of need to be. If they, I mean, I think we all agree they're like in the field now, but if they want to keep going with any sort of momentum or any sort of forward trajectory, um, I feel like that's what they sort of need to do. And of course, after they go down to Florida state on Saturday, they'll come back home for Pittsburgh on Tuesday. Again, Pittsburgh outside of the Henson kid who just like literally just shoots the ball anywhere he can. Um, the low kid is, is pretty, is a pretty nice freshman. Um, they've obviously got Carrington, who I think is another nice uh, piece for him. Um, Federico Federico you got to get Federico Federico you got both of the Diaz Graham kids the Diaz Grams I mean all so many Grams um but listen if they don't beat that pit team by more I mean what's Kim Pom got it at seven it's good right man now? don't sleep on pit it's hot right now Kim Pom. Yeah. all right fair enough they've lost and they've won five of six they've won yeah, five of six I don't I I don't think that they can sustain it you know, only, color, only, color me a doubter. Being okay? a Tuesday night and people assuming Pittsburgh sucks. I don't assume maybe, Pittsburgh sucks. I assume Pittsburgh can't. I mean the fans do. who won't show up because it's a Tuesday That's night. Fair. Blah, blah, blah. I I just it's not that I think they suck. It's that I don't think Pittsburgh can consistently do what Pittsburgh this Pittsburgh team would need to do to beat UVA. Henson's going to fall in love with the three if he makes them. Great, but will they do enough defensively? In the past, some of these Pittsburgh teams have been super physical. They've been able to like really lock you up, not necessarily in a like they don't let you score way, more like in a like they don't let you score easily kind of way, and that can right kind of you know get on you after a while. I just don't know if I see it with this pit team. I, I've watched a little bit of them of late. I watched a lot of that NC State game. I was not impressed um, with what I saw. Now, granted, that's an NC State team that beat the dog snot out of UVA and Raleigh, and then turned around and you know, kind of made it a game in Charlottesville too. So I'm not, you know, I understand that, you know, they've beat them and stuff. And that's, and that's a good point about sort of where they are. They, they, they lost to Duke. They lost to Syracuse. They pick up two wins over Duke and Georgia tech before they lost to Maryland. They won last three, right? So they've won five of their uh, last uh, six. Um, They've had a nice run. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, you know, throw shade at them. I'm just saying like, I, I will be surprised if Pitt is able to be as consistent as I think you would need to be especially in a situation like they're going to be in. Now, the other trick here is that Pitt's going to be coming off of some significant time off, right? They don't. They played last night. The weekend off. They yeah. get the weekend off, so they'd have nothing else to do but prepare for Virginia. That's a very different reality, right, than what Miami had to face when it came to Charlottesville Monday, um, having played on Saturday and done the quick turnaround. 
Um, so maybe Pitt will turn me out to be a liar. And if so, that's fine. Um, or just mistaken. I, I just, I don't know, man. Like there's just something about that Pitt team that like, you know, Henson feels like the kind of cover that Dunn is going to excel at. Um, and maybe I'm wrong. I, I'm, it won't be the first time. Won't be the last. Um, I just think that, you know, given, and he's a, he's a talented player and I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but a guy like that, if that's your best option, you're, and he's a gunner, like I'm feeling pretty good about UVA's chances. Cause I feel like Ryan Dunn's length and athleticism really helps you out here. Um, as does, I think UVA's ability to sort of grind you down on the other end and make you feel sort of like, like kind of feel like you gotta, you gotta make something happen. And that's the kind of thing that this kind of Pittsburgh, like this kind of team, I feel like struggles with UVA because UVA puts you, puts you in a spot where like, Oh yeah, you got to Not only do you, are you going to have to make the shot? But if you, if you miss this shot, you're going to have to make like the next three because you're just not going to get enough volume to sort of make up for it. Dave, what are your, give me some thoughts on, on Pittsburgh. I'm guessing from your hymns and halls a minute ago that you disagree. Yeah. I mean, I th- look, I think they're a solid team. I think you're, my big concern would be, I mean, I don't think Virginia is going to do it, but my big concern would be the atmosphere not needing, not being great because people think they're terrible Pittsburgh and they're not, they're an improved bunch. Um, it's in, it's in JPJ, um, win or lose, you know, Virginia is going to be looking to protect the home court. And I do like the way Virginia matches up with Pittsburgh. Um, so I mean, it's not a game I'm overly concerned about, but it, it is one of those games that, you know, you know, a team like that could come in and, and bite you in the butt. Um, you know, especially with that extra time off. I, I don't know if extra time off really helps you this time of year, but I guess we'll find it out. It might hurt them because they're That's hot. fair. You yeah, know, that's fair. Hot. I would think it helps if you're going to prepare for something you don't see all the time. Virginia right? is probably a good team to get a few extra I was going to say, because yeah, then it you, can, is, yeah. you can take a day or so off and then you can really just drill into like flare screens. And... first round results suggest that might be the case. Um, I mean, there's, you know, <laughs> I think there's a lot of merit. But to honestly, not... but honestly, like this is a game that the way I would say, like Pitt is playing better, but that's a game UVA should win if at home. Like, I mean, if you're the, have the longest home winning streak in the country, like you should be able to beat Pitt and keep that going. Right. Um, right. That's yeah. probably where I would put this game. And I really like if you're just looking at matchups, like Henson's good. They have a really young backcourt. Like, um, you know, multiple freshmen that play a lot. So, yeah. like, I think that's usually the type of team, excluding Duke, who has five-star freshmen, um, where, you know, UVA can maybe, like, it's it's a, I mean, they get the extra days, but for guys that have never played against it before and on the road, like, that might just not be a great recipe for success. I can totally see Reese just just frustrating the crap out of the low kid. And, I mean, he's probably going to Usually you can battles. see, like, if you're in the building, you kind of you realize, like, there's a certain point. And, obviously, this doesn't always happen because they don't always win at home. But, like, um, yeah, you re- there's, like, a certain point in the game where, you like, you look at the body language of the guys on the other team and you're there, like, especially guys that haven't played there a lot right. or, like, yeah, haven't yeah, played yeah. against UVA. Yeah. And they're kind of just like, man, what is going on? Like, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's I, like I they're, just, that they're kind NC of State. just like confused, you know. So true. I thought that against NC State, there was a period in that second. I was like, oh, so so this is the point. And like, I got to give it to them. They really sort of like they rallied back, picked yeah. that thing back up all you know, to Dave's analogy about the. But you could see like Notre Dame has like young guards. Yes, and like yeah. there were yeah. a couple of times in that game where they were looking around like what, is, and they played against UVA before. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, know. they were probably very much like, yo, where who are these dudes? Like, this is not our experience. Man, Shrewsbury's really taking on the chin, huh? They've lost what three, four, five, six, seven, seven in a row, 
nine of their last ten. Gross. Yeah, that I think is... they're gonna be. I think they're gonna be bad now, and they're gonna be good later. Yeah, no, I, I think, agree with you. I, I think, think the Burton kid get is good. Games. Well, here's the trick though: is, is are they gonna be able to hang on to not just Burton but the Booth kid as well? They're, they're both freshmen. Obviously, <laughs> Hopefully, they can hang on to Shrewsbury. Yeah, Shrewsbury not going anywhere. <laughs> um, but can it, can it, how do you say? Can is it Kanazgi? Kanazgi? Kanaz? JP Kanazgi? Kanaz? Wow, this could be a Kanazgi. No, that's not it. It's can it's can. I'm not looking at. It. I have to look at it written. Okay, it's it. But all right, anyway, him, that dude, <laughs> and uh, the Roper Kines- kid, Kineski. I don't Is think that's. I don't know. We should probably not keep doing this. Kineski. On audio. That, that's yeah, definitely not it. I think it's just Kineski. Um, Kineski. Yeah. But anyway, meanwhile, back at the ranch, um, they've got a lot of young pieces. So I mean, it kind of makes sense for they're taking it on the chin, especially because. You know, they just, you know, no, no disrespect to Matt Zona, but they don't exactly have a lot of like senior leadership and, uh, you know, playmaking ability on the, on the court. Um, good one's gone. Gosh, I'm so glad too. remember that shot. He almost hit. What was that? Was I was that last just year? thinking about it the other day. It was, was last year. Yep. See, that's what I'm saying. We just sit around thinking about randomness. Um, but it was last year, right? Well, I was thinking about, I was thinking about like, this is kind of relevant to this conversation. UVA's won seven in a row. Last year, I don't think they ever got that hot, like during ACC play. But they were kind of like doing their thing. And then remember, they beat Duke, and then they hit this weird skid. But it actually started before they started losing. They won right? seven in a row, starting they with did Syracuse, have a going through Syracuse, streak, and then yeah. they lost to Tech, and they won four more in a row. And they're twenty-one and four, thirteen and three, and then they lost two in a row to BC and North Carolina before. Columbia but if you go back. They almost lost to Duke, which is fine because Duke was good anyway. Right. Um, then they really almost lost to Louisville on the yep. road. Like yep. that came down to the yep. last possession of the game. Then Dane Louisville Goodwin was awful. Almost beat them. And then that. they, I mean, they were a Notre Dame shot away. They had no control over whether they won that game at the end or not. Like yeah, that was the game I was thinking about that was similar to Clemson. Yeah, he had a great yeah. look. Yeah. And that was another kind of collapse where you missed free throw. Of, yeah. Yeah. They, they just let Notre Dame kind of like hang in there. So, yeah. So um, then they lost by f- by 15 to at Boston College and they lost by. Yeah. And I remember we walked out of the gym after they beat Notre Dame and we were yeah. kind of looking at each other like if they yeah. go to BC and play like this, they're going to lose. And that's exactly and they, what they did. They yeah. lost big. <laughs> yeah. 15. Um, but and, you know, I was just kind of thinking like ACC finals, but you know, whatever. <laughs> they were yeah. okay. <laughs> no, I mean, they did. They did win their last two games of the regular season and then kind of like got things back on track. Um, but like, I mean, I'm not saying that this is going to happen this year, but like you kind of wonder, like they do have these ruts that they go into for multiple games. It's like, have we already seen that? And that's what the road performances were. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Was that the early? And now they've do worked their way the season, through it. Right. Yeah. Or is it still on the horizon somewhere where like they're going to have like a weird three game stretch where like maybe they win one of the three, but like yeah. they're bad in all three games. Like I will say some of the ruts have been around injury and we've been, yeah. you know, like last year BVP got hurt. Um, you know, so that plays a part and you can't control that. Yeah. But, I agree with that. I would also I mean, say like, they're going like, to run now because the schedule got tougher. Yeah. I don't remember them looking as like consistent across the board as they have and during this winter streak. Somebody might go back to you know January last year and say, oh, "Well, actually, all through the month of January, you know, whatever, whatever." But I just thought like last year they were good at putting it together more miscellaneously than they are this year, which looks more cohesive. But anyway, yeah, but I they think they were winning games by like comfortable margins last year, but fair. it was in different ways. 
And yeah. they did have a nice long stretch, but we never felt as bad about last year's team during the season as we did about this year's team. That's, like it's that's different. True. That's the frame of reference true. is way different. That's they never true. lost by twenty five to Wake Forest or whatever. Well, um, by the um, by you know by the measure of last year, you know, I mean, I would much rather have them all the hand wringing out at the beginning and not end it. The you know what I mean? Like boy, because that I mean, yeah. I feel like during the year though, I mean, some there's there's a little bit of like you know, whatever the opposite of recency bias is. Because, like, I remember we did a lot of hand-wringing about BVP and the whole, that whole deal, basically all the, all the way along, you know? but Well, it did feel like last year, like, they were, I think maybe, too, it becomes easier to criticize stuff like that when you're winning and you're just used to winning. It's like, well, like, what can they do better? Like, you know what I mean? And they're winning these games, but they're winning some of them close. Like, um but I mean, like I'm looking now at like 2021. I wouldn't count 2022 because like they had the rut was throughout the whole season. Um, but like they were humming along, and then they lost to Florida State by 21. They lost to Duke by one. That Duke team was not very good. Right. And then they lost to NC State at home by seven. So yeah. like that was their rut, and then they got out of it. You know, and they do this like not every year, but they do it often. Um, right. So and all teams probably do. You yeah, know, that's true. Yeah. The they lost eight games last year by a total of fifty-three points. They lost three games this year about more than. That. <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Speaking of good things, let's. That's a good place to put a pin in it. Um, obviously, we will know a lot more next week when we talk to you based on what we've seen from who's in uh, Tallahassee and certainly once they come back home um, to face this very, you know, very juggernaut of a Pittsburgh program. I'm I'm just kidding. They're they're probably not wrong to think they're pretty good. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying like I I just got to see them consistently do it enough to think they're gonna do it. Um. All right. If you are somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever it is that you get your shows. And if you're so inclined to give us a rating or a review, we greatly appreciate it. If you're somebody who has found the pod but not given us a look at the website yet, check us out at CapsCorner.com. Lots of basketball stuff. We got recruiting stuff all the way around and lots of people to commiserate with no matter which way this thing goes. I want to thank all of you out there supporting the show. Of course, I want to thank Dave and Ferber for being graciously of their time. As always, I very much appreciate all that they do. So for David Smith and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. See you soon.